Amen. Thank you so much for that, Joanna. That's a blessing. If you have your Bible study, I invite you to take that. crammed a lot into uh, the first 35 minutes of our service together. And uh, I, of course, uh, want to be mindful of your time, but I also don't want to be in a hurry. Uh, what we're doing here is the most important thing happening anywhere. Uh, anytime the Bible is opened, anytime God's people gather together, uh, that is not something that we take lightly. It's not something that is to be despised. It's a wonderful thing. And, uh, and so we do want to, uh, again, be, um, uh, be you know, respectful, uh, but, uh, but certainly we want to um, give what the Lord has on our hearts uh, tonight uh, to give. Uh, Mark chapter number 6 is where we'll find our text this evening. And uh, I want to begin reading in verse number 7, and we'll read down through verse uh, number 10. Uh, but we'll really preach through verse number 13 tonight. The Bible says in Mark chapter 6 and verse number 7, And he called unto him the twelve, and began to send them forth by two and two, and gave them power over unclean spirits, and commanded them that they should take nothing for their journey, save a staff only, no scrip, no bread, no money in their purse, but be shod with sandals, and not put on two coats. And he said unto them, In what place soever ye enter into an house, there abide till ye depart from that place. I'd like to preach to you a message that comes out of the seventh verse of this particular text, which the Bible says of Jesus, that after he had called the twelve unto him, he began to send them forth. Tonight is a special night in the history of our church. In the past 20 years, Cleveland Baptist Church has either planted or restarted or replanted six churches here in Northeast Ohio. It should be noted that, and I want to say this very clearly, that Northeast Ohio needs another 60 churches, to be very frank, to reach all of the people living in this region. Just as Central Texas is a needy area, so too is Northeast Ohio. Brother Suglio is had church planning on his heart for a long time. And tonight as a church, we're going to vote for them to become an autonomous church, to have their own pastor and to move forward as God has called them. And I, I want to I just recognize them tonight. If you're here from Heritage Baptist Church in Willoughby, would you stand for just a moment so that our folks can, can see you? Uh, these are the folks that God has put, sure, give them a round of applause. These are the folks that God has put together there in Willoughby, Ohio. It's a wonderful thing. Thank you so much, folks. You can be seated. And I want to just say that God has done some very unusual things in Willoughby, and we're excited to see what the future holds for them. Just a few moments ago, we also heard from a young man who grew up here and graduated from our Christian school. And I just want to say publicly, Brian, I'm so proud of you. Um, he, he is exactly what that video portrayed him to be. What what Pastor Kurt said about Kaylee, we could say the same thing about Brian, just purposed in his heart that he was going to serve the Lord, and, uh, and that's, been, that's been his passion and his heart for a long, long time. And I believe God's going to use him in a great way. I believe that with all of my heart. God led Brian to Crown College after graduation, and he excelled as a student there. After graduating from college, he married Kaylee, I remember that day, and their wedding, and together they left to serve at a great Baptist church and Christian school there in Texas. Of course, God began to work in Brian's heart toward church planning, and the Sentex church planning ministry was born. And I am encouraged um, to hear of the burden that Brian and Kaylee have. And I, I know him, and I know his sending pastor, and I know of his church, and I have confidence that God is going to use them in a powerful way. 
And uh, really unbeknownst to me, I was in my office this week and I was checking some of, my, some of my voicemails. I missed a call from a day or two prior. And on the other line was uh, Brother James Maletti, who's here tonight with us. And he was sharing with me that uh, this Sunday, today, is the third anniversary of the River Westlake Baptist Church. And this was a church plan out of Cleveland Baptist that began in the craziness of 2020. And they've got a beautiful little building right there on the border of Rocky River and Westlake. Today, he shared with me, they had 28 in attendance, and God's doing a, um, just a special work there. And I'm so excited about it, I'm just thrilled to see how God continues to use them. I remember well when James and Rebecca came into Cleveland Baptist Church for the very first time, and, and how much they grew during their time here. Both of them are graduates of the Bible Institute, Heritage Baptist Institute. One of them was the best student I've ever had. And I'll let you guess who that is. She has longer hair than her husband. He was a good student too, but my, Rebecca was a, another level, another level. I say that with all the kindness that I can muster, Brother James. You have a wonderful wife, and God's been good uh, to you in that way. All of this I share with you to let you know this is encouraging to me. Because it's exactly, now think about this, it's exactly what Christ emphasized in our text. Jesus sends forth his 12 disciples in teams of two to proclaim his gospel. It is evident that Christ, no doubt, was preparing them for the time and day when he would be taken from them physically. What, what were they to do with him being physically absent from them? They were to do the very things that he was sending them forth to do while he was physically present with them. Consider how he sends them forth. The Bible tells us that he sent them by two and by two. And I think to myself, it's not always possible to send teams of folks, but I'm thinking to myself, if a man's got a wife, well then there's his teammate, and together they can go and they can serve the Lord by two and, and to make an impact in the place where God has called them and where God has led them. I think to myself that team ministry is best for the purposes of accountability and encouragement. The Bible says in Ecclesiastes chapter number four and verse number nine, two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, the one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him that is alone when he falleth, for he hath not another to help him up. You know, it's good for us to be reminded as a church that we are, that we, even still today, we are doing ministry in the same model of our Savior and our uh, our, the founder of our faith, who is Jesus Christ. Though, though this text and what Jesus was doing here in Mark 6, though this happened 2,000 years ago, and though our church today is now 65 years old, I'm glad to know that we are still in the business of reproducing ourselves. You know, as churches age, they often become insulated and isolated from the great need of the world. And you know, it's, it's important for us to have a night like this every once in a while for us to be reminded of the fact that all around us are people who do not know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. People who desperately need to hear the gospel. But beyond that, they don't just need to hear the gospel, but people who desperately need a local church that they can build their lives around. You see, Jesus, the Bible says that he died, he gave his life for the church. Jesus loves the church. The church is the bride of Christ. And so people need the gospel, they need a local church. I tell you that this work is so desperately needed 
in this hour. The reason why it's so desperately needed in this hour is because truth, listen, has been forsaken in our culture. The Holy Spirit revealed to us that the church, listen, the church is the solution for a culture lacking truth. There's going to be a verse that's going to appear on the screen. I want you to see it, and I want you to see it and know it. The Bible says in 1 Timothy 3.15, but if I tarry long, that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God. Now notice, what is the house of God? It is the church of the living God, and it is the pillar and ground of the truth. So I said a moment ago, what we're doing here tonight is the most important thing going on in all of this area. And every other church that's meeting like this and they're preaching the gospel and they're opening the Bible and they're worshiping God and they're serving God and they're giving, so long as they name the name of Christ, they too are the pillar and ground of the truth. And I'm just telling you that a culture that has no understanding or acknowledgement of truth, they need more churches than they need anything else. I, I understand a case could be made, we need better politicians. And I would agree. And maybe a case could be made, we need better infrastructure, better roads, and, and, and better technology. And, and maybe a case could be made for that. Sure, we, we need some of those things. Some perhaps are saying, we, I'll tell you what we really need. We need, better, we need better education in our public schools and in our universities and colleges. And you won't, you won't find me disagreeing with that. But I want you to know something. More than any of those things, we need gospel-preaching churches. That's what we need. That's the answer for our culture and the answer for no truth. We can't just throw more money at it. We can't just educate people better. No, no. We must preach the everlasting, eternal gospel of Jesus Christ to them. I believe we find a template for how to send and who to send forth to do the work of the gospel in our text. And I also want to propose to you that this isn't just good. What we find in this text isn't just good for church planners and for pastors and missionaries and evangelists. I believe that what we find in our text is good for every believer for every believer to say, you know, I, I need that in my life. I want that in my life. Notice, notice if we're going to send them forth, number one, we must go forth with power. Go forth with power. Do you see that in verse number seven? And he called unto him the 12 and began to send them forth by two and two and gave them power over unclean spirits. There's power in the sound system tonight too, I think. I... Um, I think it's significant to note that he gave them power over unclean spirits. You should know that there is no realm in which our God is limited in power. The great struggle, listen, the great struggle in the universe is good versus evil. It's God versus Satan. It's light versus darkness. And isn't it comforting? Isn't it great to know that there is nothing unclean, there is nothing evil, there is nothing dark that our God does not have power over? Isn't that encouraging to know? Why so many Christians are walking around in defeat. They have no victory in their lives. And I'm thinking to myself, now wait a minute. Didn't God, didn't Jesus Christ tell us before he left, all power is given unto me in heaven and earth. We don't have to live, we don't have to live in, in, in defeat. We have victory. The Bible says in 1 John 4, 4, ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them. Why? Because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. 
Jesus told these same men before he ascended back to heaven, all power is given unto me. In Matthew 28, in verse number 18, they were also told, ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. You know, one of the church's responsibilities is, um, is to recognize, in a formal sense, to recognize who God has placed his hand on to do his work. That's a, that's a responsibility that God has given to the church. In other words, we, we can't just send anyone out to do the work that God has, uh, that God has called us to do. There is, a, uh, there is a sense in which there is a level of accountability and there is a level of responsibility, that there is a level of proving that folks must undergo. There was a man that came to me today. I'd never met them before. And they said, Pastor Pete, I got stirred up today in, in church. And I, 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 I want you to know, I believe God has called me to start a church somewhere. I believe God has called me to go out and to, and, and to be a preacher, to be a pastor somewhere. And, and if, I, if I've never met them before, I could not in good conscience, I could not just tell them, okay, we're behind you. It doesn't work that way. There is an element in which the church is given a responsibility to assess and to determine, okay, we believe God's hand is on this person. You can't just send anybody out. We, we, can't, we can't just do that. I believe that certain men have a unique and special calling from God that is upon them. And I just have to tell you, I want to partner with folks like that. I want to partner with ministries like that where it is obvious that God's power and his hand of blessing is on them. Can I tell you that we're cautioned in 1 Timothy chapter 5 and verse number 22 as a church, we're cautioned against laying hands suddenly upon a man. In other words, a man is to, is to prove himself. He is to live his life in such a way. And I just have to tell you, of the three men that you've heard of tonight here in our church, all three of them have a lengthy track record here at Cleveland Baptist Church. We, we've been able to watch them. In Brian's case, we watched him grow up. He wasn't a perfect young man. There's no such thing. He was a whole lot better than some. I can guarantee you that. Myself included. I have to tell you that as I assess Brian's life, I feel like as a young man, he uh, had a little bit more uh, just purpose and resolve perhaps than I even did at that age. And that's why I feel like I can recommend him. I've watched him for a long time. And I feel like I can recommend him to the Cleveland Baptist Church. This is somebody that we can get behind. This is someone that we can support. I believe God's hand is upon him. He's proven himself. Of course, we, we know Brother Frank and Miss Rebecca and they served on staff here for a time. I worked alongside of them, and I know they have a heart for souls. And I know they have a heart for God and for the word of God and for church planting. I know that. And I can see already what God has done over there, and you've seen some evidence of it tonight. And we know it. We know that God is, in, is, in, is at work there in Willoughby, Ohio. James and Rebecca, I mentioned them a moment ago, and, and it was obvious. It was obvious that God had placed his hand upon them that there was a, a uniqueness to their ministry and to their calling. But can I just tell you that this, listen, this is good for ministry leaders, but let me also, let me ask, ask, ask this question of you. What difference is the power of God making in your life? You, you, would, you would come to me 
If I put forward somebody to you and said, ah, I don't think God's hand is upon their life. I think you would come to me and, and you would be very hesitant to support someone that you didn't think God's hand was upon their life. But let me put this, let me put this back in your lap. What difference is the power of Christ making in your life tonight? Why is it fair for us to demand that the pastor and the missionaries and the evangelists and the church planners and the Christian school teachers, why is it fair for us to demand that they have the power of God and the hand of God upon them, but it's not fair for us to demand that of ourselves? That just doesn't seem right. What difference is the power of God making in your life? What difference is it making in your home? And what difference is it making in your church? We don't just have access to some power. We have access to all power. You have power. Listen, church family, you have power tonight to overcome your addictions. You have power to live a life for Christ. You have power to have a healthy marriage and healthy home. You have a power to raise godly children. You have power to maintain your purity. I could go on and on for the rest of the night, but you have within you, if the Holy Spirit of God dwells within you, you have power to do anything that he has called you to do. Too many Christians are living powerless lives. It shouldn't be this way. The Bible says we've been given power over unclean spirits, over unclean habits and practices. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 6, Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators. You have power over that. Nor idolaters. You have power over that. Nor adulterers. You have power over that. Nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. Why aren't you that way anymore? Because the power of Christ has given you victory over it. That's why. Such were some of you, but ye are washed, but ye are sanctified, but ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. Wow, what a great truth. So send them forth. Yes, go forth with power. Notice, secondly, go forth with faith. Go forth with faith. Look in verse 8, 9, and 10. He commanded them that they should take nothing for their journey. The work of God requires faith. As Christ sent them forth that day, he only sent them with a few things. I believe he did this on purpose. He said, here's what I want you to take with you. I want you to take a staff. I want you to take your sandals. And I want you to take one coat. Don't take two coats, just take one. He also forbade them to take some things. And I think he was forbidding them to take these things, things that they would eventually need. And he was forbidding them to take these things. In essence, what he was saying is, don't take those things with you. I'm going to provide those things for you. So he's sending them forth, and by doing so, they're going to have to exercise faith. They were not allowed to take a wallet with them. That's what the word scrip means, S-C-R-I-P. That means a wallet or a, a purse. They were not allowed to take bread with them, no food. I'll fill your belly. They were not allowed to take money with them. Uh, no, listen, no, 
You know, no, nothing, nothing that you're holding on to. I, I'm going to take care of your needs for finances. And I'm going to take care of your needs uh, for bread and for food. And they weren't even allowed to take a second coat with them uh, for warmth. Uh, they, they weren't even allowed to travel with fixed accommodations. He says, every place you go, you're going to find somebody who's going to take you in and you stay there until the work is done. But the simple, the simple truth remains. The clear insinuation is that by not taking these things, they were going to have to exercise faith in God to meet their needs. Needs. Here's what I've come to discover. This is, this is deep. Here's what, here's what I know. I know this for a fact. He can be trusted. He can be trusted. No doubt about it. I believe the Lord is obligated to provide for the needs of his servants. He provides finances. He's able to provide physical nourishment. He's able to provide clothing, housing, and much more. Say, well, how does he do this? Does he just drop these things out of the sky? Sort of. In some, in some respects he does because the people that need them don't have them, but they get them. And how do they get them? You a member of a local church? You're looking at it. You do it. You do it. It's an, it's an amazing thing. I just want to say publicly, this church has been so good to us. So good to us. And every, every man who works here, every woman who works here comes here and serves. Oh, we think about it often. We, we, get to, we get to come here on Monday through Friday and sometimes even on Saturday. And, and I, go get to, I get to walk into an office where there's no swearing. There's no cursing. Well, until Brother Sam gets there, but <laughs> I'm totally kidding. He doesn't do that either. It's, it's an amazing place. We get to listen to godly music and we get to encourage, we pray together. It's just a sweet, it's a sweet place. And then I'm reminded, we get to, we get to do that because, because you folks go to your places and you work hard and then you come on Sunday and you give. And some of you, 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 don't, just, you don't just tithe and give to faith promise, but some of you, you, you go above and beyond. And you do some extra things. You hear of a need that somebody has and God lays it on your heart and you do, you do a little something extra for them. Nobody knows about it. Sometimes I don't even know about it. Folks in this church are meeting the needs. Christ has essentially told us as, as his ministers, he says, listen, burn the ships. There's no turning back. There's no looking back. No backup plan. Go forward. You say, well, what about the money? I'll provide the money. Well, what am I going to eat? What am I going to feed my family? And God says, I'll take care of that too. Well, wait a minute, it's going to get cold. It's northeast Ohio. How are we going to put coats on our kids? Don't worry about it. Trust me. Go forward by faith. You can be trusted. What are you, what are you, what are you looking at in front of you that seems insurmountable? Don't we all like to sort of have all of our I's dotted and all of our T's crossed? But you know as well as I do, there are times when Christ calls us to go forward. I'm not just talking about pastors and church planners and missionaries and evangelists. I'm talking about every one of us. He calls us to go forward, and we do not have every answer in hand. And he had just simply asked us, just trust me. You can believe him by faith. That he's going to provide. And he's going to lead you through the smallest problems and through the greatest problems that you're presented with. Joshua 1, 5, there shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. I will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. I was at 
a restaurant just up the street today. As I was walking out the door, there was a line of people waiting to get their order taken. And a man was standing there. I don't know if I've ever seen him before. He said, you from Cleveland Baptist Church? I said, how did you know? <laughs> Maybe the suit gave it away. He said to me, he said, that's a great church. He said, I know Roy Thompson. Roy Thompson was a great man. He was. Amen. I'm trying to get out the door, and he just kept saying it. Cleveland Baptist, that's a great, I mean, the whole line is standing there watching this whole thing go down. I'm feeling a little awkward here, you know. Cleveland Baptist Church, Roy Thompson, he was a hero of mine. He's, he's saying these very words, and shouting them in, there in the line. And I'm thinking to myself, I read Joshua 1, 5. You know, I think the Holy Spirit's telling me as I was with Roy Thompson, so I will be with thee. As I was with, you named the great Christian leader. You know, there's hardly anybody that can come close to comparing to Moses in the scriptures. And what did God tell Joshua? Hey, I was with, I was with Moses, wasn't I? I was with Moses, I'll be with you as well. The Bible says in Psalm 37, 25 and 26, I have been young and now am old, yet have I not seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging bread. He is ever merciful and lendeth and his seed is blessed. Go forth with power. Go forth with faith. Thirdly, go forth with a message. If you look in verse number 11, and whosoever shall not receive you nor hear you when ye depart thence, shake off the dust under your feet for a testimony against them. Verily I say unto you, it shall be more tolerable for Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than for that city. Verse 12, and they went out and preached that men should repent. That's the message. Men should repent. The word repent literally means to think differently or to reconsider. So, so, so if, that's, if that's the truth, then we know this from the Bible that God's messengers and his church were, were sent forth to warn people to think differently about some things, right? What are, we, what are we going? What are we going to Brooklyn, Ohio and Cleveland, Ohio? And what is James and Rebecca and their church family? What are they going to Rocky River and Westlake and warning people to think differently about? And, and what, are, what are Brother Frank and, and, and Heritage Baptist Church in Willoughby, what are they doing in that part of the, uh, of the community? What are they warning people to think differently about? Number one, you better think differently about sin. You better think differently about sin. You know, most people think sin's no big deal. I mean, come on. I mean, I told a little white lie, but everybody does it. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I've thought some dirty thoughts. I've said some things I shouldn't say, but the truth of the matter is I'm a whole lot better. I, you know, down the streets of jail. And you know what some of the people in that jail are, 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 are in there for? I, I'm not, you know, I go to work every day and I'm married and I've got some kids and I mean, I curse every once in a while and I cheated on my taxes last year, but, and I don't really go to church, but who really cares? I just want you to know something, church family. We have been called to warn them, you better think differently about your sin. Because the Bible is pretty clear, isn't it? The wages of sin is death. And the world's saying, well, my sin's really not that big of a deal. And God's saying, every sin is a big deal. Because sin brings death. We're, we're called to go forward with the message, think differently about sin. Number two, think differently about Jesus. Most people think Jesus was a good man, a great leader, a teacher, a spiritual, historic figure. There, do you know there's even some, there, is, there are some who despite the overwhelming historic evidence, they question his very existence. Can you believe that? I mean, our whole world has been affected by his life and impacted by his life, and yet there are some that tell you, well, I'm not even sure that he actually even existed. What a silly thing. 
What a silly thing, but there's people out there that that's what they think about Jesus. The message of the church, the message of the gospel is that Jesus isn't just a good man. Oh, he is, but he's much more than a good man. Jesus isn't just a great leader. He's a great leader, but he's much more than that. He's not just a teacher. He's not just a spiritual guru. Listen, we are called to go forward with a message that tells people, that proclaims that Jesus is God, that he is the Son of God, that he is the Messiah. He is whom John the Baptist proclaimed him to be in John 1.29 when he said, Behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. What are we, what are we, what are we, what are we going to support Brian Yeager to do in central Texas? We're going to support him so that he can go there and tell people to think differently about their sin. And we're going to support him so he can tell people to think differently about Jesus. What are we, what are we encouraging Brother Frank and Heritage Baptist Church? And what are we encouraging Brother James and Rebecca and, and River Westlake? What do we, what do we want them to be doing? They're going to do what they learned to do here, which is to go out and to warn people, you better think differently about sin. You better think differently about Jesus. But number three, you better think differently about eternity. Most people believe there is life after death. Most people do. And many of those believe, believe that God, who is rich in mercy, is going to show mercy to them in the afterlife despite how they live during this life. That's how most people are, are, are processing these things. I, um, I, I've, heard, I've heard it said that, you know, God's going to take all the bad things I've done, he's going to put them over here on this side of the scale, and he's going to take all the good things I've done, and whichever one outweighs the other. And I've often thought to myself, I don't like my chances with that. Because I, I know myself, and I know, I know, I know all the bad things I've done are going to far, far outweigh all the good things that I've done. But that's how most people are processing eternity. When I get there, there's going to be two doors, and I've just got to choose the right door, and, and hopefully, you know, hopefully it all works out. Or God is love. God would never send someone to hell. You're exactly right. God would never send someone to hell. Your sin's going to send you to hell. That's, that's what sends people to hell. God warned, God warned Adam and Eve in the beginning, didn't he? Told them in the day that you eat of that fruit, you're going to die. What'd they do? Who, who, who's, who, put that, who put that idea in their mind? The devil did. And yet we want to blame God for it. I mean, that's, what, that's what they're saying when they say that. No, no, listen. Listen, the devil, devil's going to send people to hell. Sin's going to send you to hell. Your own sin and your own selfishness and your own pride are going to send, are going to send you to hell. People grab hold of the concept that God is love while ignoring at the same time the warnings that God is just and holy. Some make hell, you've heard this, you know this to be true. Some make hell to be a place of parties and fun and some believe there's no life after death at all whatsoever. When you die, they put you in the ground and you cease to exist. But listen, God has called his messengers and he has called his church to go forth with a message, a clear message about heaven and hell, about life after death. The Bible says in Revelation 20 and verse number 12, and I saw the dead, small and great, that means everybody, stand before God, and the books were open, and another book was open, which is the book of life, and the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works, and death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death, and whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Do your coworkers know that? Do they know that? Do your neighbors know that that's written? Does your, does your lost family know it? 
Our message is not political. It's not preferential. We're not called to just preach a positive message. We are sent with a message. And that message is this, repent. You better think differently about your sin. You better think differently about who Jesus is. This is the message of the gospel, and you better think differently about what's waiting for you on the other side of eternity. Number four, and finally, go forth and impact lives. Look in verse 13, and they cast out many devils and anointed with oil many that were sick and healed them. As you go, may God enable you to help people find victory over demonic and satanic influences. May God allow, may God allow every one of you preachers that are here tonight representing a church, a church plan out of Cleveland Baptist or affiliate or associate with Cleveland Baptist, may God help you May God help you to have his power so that you can bring healing to a sick and dying world. Can I just tell you, listen, this isn't just good for the church planners. This is what God has called us to do. And this is what we're here for, is to impact lives. Several weeks ago, I was part of Heritage Baptist Church's grand opening service. And um, because it was a Sunday, I don't miss very often. Uh, This is where I want to be. This is where God has called me. But I felt like because of what was happening, I needed to be there. Because it was a Sunday, many of you were involved in ministry here and, and you weren't able to go. But I sat in that service and I was so stirred. Because in addition to the preaching and the music, there were some testimonies that were given about how God has used Heritage Baptist Church in the lives of people. As I was preparing the message on Thursday, I thought to myself, you know, It would be great for our church family to hear some of these testimonies. Obviously, there's a number of folks here, and so we can't hear from everybody. I'm going to invite two men to come to the platform tonight. We don't do this often, but I'm going to invite them, Nino and Bastia Nino. Both of these men are part of the Heritage Baptist Church in Willoughby. And um, they shared some testimonies that day, and it encouraged me. It helped me. Because, listen, here's, here's here's what the church is called to do. We, 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 would, we would have never known these men. We would have never met these men. We had no idea who they are, if not, if not for the gospel of Jesus Christ. It impacts lives. And so men, as we conclude tonight, Nino, I think you're going to go first. Would you just share a brief testimony of what God has used the church to do in your life? And then when you're done, Bastia and Nino will come and speak as well. Right, perfect. Um, good evening, church. Again, my name is Nino. If any of you guys have been to HBC, we have an abundance of Ninos. Um, God has humbled me with that and also proven that he has a sense of humor, um, which he's proven many times before. So, um, yeah, I'm here tonight to testify how God has um, blessed us um, through CBC and changed my life. Um, And so there's been a huge impact on my life. Uh, About a, a year ago, summer of 2022, I was, um, I was a born-again Christian. I was looking for a church with a friend, Brian Sandella, who then went on to um, start a, plant a home church, and I was with him in that, but I didn't feel confident that I was in God's will. And um, at about the same time, I met the Suglios. The first time I sat down, um, the first time they came to the Bible study at the, at the coffee shop at Arabica, I was there. I'm blessed with impeccable timing. Uh, well, the Lord of you guys. And... Um, Fast forward to this year, I'm you know very involved at HBC. I've grown a lot. Um, Pastor Frank uh, Suglio, he disciples me, and he's been a huge blessing on my life as well as so many others. All right, and um, I finally feel like I'm in a place. I'm confident that I'm in God's will, and I have a heart for evangelism. Praise the Lord. And uh, essentially, 
you know, I was, before I um, was at, uh, involved at HBC and searching for churches, I didn't even know some of these pastors were saved, unfortunately. So I'm grateful to have, um, you know, an environment such as this to where if I do lead somebody to the Lord, not only am I confident that I am in uh, God's will, that somebody I would lead to the Lord would be in God's will. Um, and, you know, that one of those gentlemen is standing right here behind me, and he'll follow up with how his life was impacted as well. And, um, it, you know, in this moment, I just want to say that God has been opening my eyes up. Um, just these past this past week or two, we visited Grand River Baptist Church, and I know, um, as the Lord has shown me, it's easy to see now that so many people who were here at Cleveland Baptist, there's so many things I'm sure that uh, it's a happening place, it's big, there's something for everybody, um, yet they chose to leave to follow, say, Pastor Dan Novi or um, Brad Bork in Beechwood, Pastor Brad Bork. And so just the courage of those people um, has really blessed me, and it's a, huge, it's a huge encouragement. We all know as disciples of Jesus Christ, courage helps. You know, you can't serve the Lord and, and um, you know, have any sense of cowardice. It's really a, a blessing that he teaches us that. So um, I'm uh, just blessed to see the, the heart of service when people have went out to start churches. They left such a comfortable place to uh, come and, and impact my life and uh, Bastianino's life as well. So uh, I'll invite him up here, but I just thank the Lord from the bottom of my heart from using uh, for using all of you guys and the people have, who have left to plant these other churches to encourage us. So uh, praise the Lord. All right. Great evening. It is a great evening. I'm so grateful to be here. And uh, boy, I'm a, so privileged to be his disciple. He disciples me every Sunday, and uh, he cooks for me too. It's very nice. He's like... <laughs> Chef Gordon Ramsay, the Italian Gordon Ramsay over there. Let me not get off on too much of a tangent, but uh, fair warning, I say the word Christian, a little bit funny, like Christian. So my, it's my Italian accent. So don't laugh too much, okay? <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, it's a privilege to be a member of HBC, and HBC wouldn't exist without this amazing church, this amazing Obviously, it's an amazing wonder of a building, but the members are the valuable gems of, of Jesus, uh, so to speak. And uh, obviously, the Bible here is being taught exactly how I'd like, to, I'd like it to be taught, um, just fundamentally. Um, just We're not adding anything to it. We're not subtracting anything to it, like maybe some other people. We won't mention them. <laughs> and I think Frank does an amazing job um, sticking to the King James Bible and uh, how, how Pastor Folger, you know, wants it to be done, and that's how Jesus wants it to be done, and um, we're, I'm just, like, so grateful and so fortunate that I, this is the first real church that I've been going to that I really... Um, you know, HBC is the real, the first church that I totally agree with. There's nothing I disagree with. I love everything about it. I mean, there's just too much to say about it. I could go for 20 minutes. Um, I'll, I'll go a little bit more about uh, myself. So, you know, Nino got the evangelism started for me at the gym. Um, I was a really depressed, miserable person. Um, I had a lot of you know, issues, uh, injuries. My dad was dying. Uh, my mother had already died from brain cancer, so I wasn't very happy. I wasn't taking good care of myself, to, to say the least, and he, he noticed that. 
And I, I thought to myself, why, did, why does this guy care about me? Like, why is he telling me, read the Bible? I, I already, I know enough about the Bible. People have told me about this already. But he, you know, he invited me to dinner one day, and um, he, um, he, he read me some verses in the Bible. I, I liked them, you know. I never had read those verses. And then uh, he got the process started. He invited me over to Frank's house. And it took a team, a team of Christians to... Uh, evangelize me <laughs> because I had a lot of barriers in my head that I think, you know, we get brainwashed by this world and um, in our own pride, too, and they knock those barriers down, you know, one by one. And, and that day, that, that evening, it was uh, March 17, St. Patrick's Day, that I, uh, I started crying, you know, like, I, I really was uh, repentful. I hope I don't cry right now. Maybe I'll cry. Who knows? It's okay if I do. Uh, <laughs> I was really repentful, and I had all this guilt. And uh, that, that the Holy Ghost uh, entered me that, that evening for sure, and, and I never felt better than that, that evening. I mean, I feel, I feel great all the time. Now I'm joyous. So I used to be depressed and fatigued. Now I have too much energy. I, I can't stop talking. You see, you see me right here? I might take over the whole sermon. Uh, I got to slow down here. So yeah, I want to mention, um, I even love to evangelize too. At first I thought, Nina, are you crazy? You're, you're going door to door like a, like a Jehovah's Witness? That's a little strange to me. But we have to, we have to evangelize, we have to help others, like, because it took many, many tries to get a hold of me, you know? It, didn't, it wasn't just, you can't just evangelize in 10 minutes, unfortunately. It, it, you have to, sometimes it takes months or years, like, he, he, it took a few years actually, he, he would... Um, you know, he, he built some rapport with me, slowly by slow, slowly and slowly, you know, and um, don't give up on anyone. Everyone can be saved. I'm 38, I'm 39 years old, but he, I was saved at 38. Uh, I know I look very young, uh, just kidding. <laughs> but yeah, let me decrease myself and increase God, uh, yeah, glory to God, and yeah, praise the Lord. I love when Frank says that. He taught me to say that every day. The more you praise God, the better, really. You can't praise him too much. Uh, so I want to give a special thanks to Frank, Rebecca, Tony, uh, Armin, uh, Luke, uh, so many people. Uh, um, I'm forgetting names now, you know, Jake. Uh, they give me tough love. You know, when I do something silly, I, I talk too much, which I'm doing right now. They, they, cha- they chasten me, so to me so to speak, they, um, and God does too, and uh, I love tough love because it's hard to give tough love. It's easy to just be nice to everyone all the time. That's, not, that's really not nice when you're just nice all the time. You've got to tell people what they're doing wrong gracefully. So that's enough for me. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm so happy I could keep, go, keep, keep, keep going forever, you know. But let me give the, the microphone back to uh, Pastor Folger because it's dangerous with me. <laughs> all right. Good night, everyone. God bless you. Thank you so, Thank much. You so much. Now, listen. This is what it's all about. This is what it's all about. I, I, they didn't tell you this, but yesterday these two men went out door to door and they led a lady to Christ. A year ago, you know, brother Nino here was looking for a church. He didn't have one. wasn't really all that grounded. God gave him a church, and then this spring, Bastianino a year ago didn't know Christ trumpet would have sounded or his life were to be taken from this earth he would have spent eternity in a place the bible calls hell but we've been sent to go forth and to impact lives that's what it's all about such joy in that there's such 
hope in that, purpose in life. Some, some, sometimes Christians, some, some Christians I know are some of the most miserable people around. But you get the gospel in you and you live for the gospel, it'll change everything. Send them forth. Would you stand with me? Our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed.